Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Endeavor Podcast. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. And in this episode, I'm talking to Maria Brophy, who's got to be one of my favorite authors at the moment. She's written a fantastic book called Art, Money, Success, and it is just jam-packed full of actionable things that we can apply right now to our creative business. I found some really interesting foundational things, which I had probably dropped the ball with, but even some new stuff that I hadn't considered at all when it came to marketing my work in the digital realm. Now, Maria has a marketing background, and she's married to a great surf artist named Drew Brophy. Together, they're quite a dynamic duo. And I've heard about Drew Brophy's work over the years. So naturally, I wanted to reach out to Maria and have her on the podcast. Now, this is a free-flowing conversation. I didn't exactly have a set list here. I just wanted to get a snapshot for how Maria and Drew were going in the midst of all the challenges that we face, but also just have a chat about the art business generally and how some of these things that we're going through are going to change us as creative professionals and maybe some of these changes that we have to anticipate in order to make sure that we not only survive, but thrive in the months and years to come. This was a fantastic conversation. I got so much out of it. I really hope that you will too. So without further ado, here's Maria Brophy in The Creative Endeavor. Maria Brophy, welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have your company. Thank you, Andrew. I am stoked to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, I want to dive deep into the book that you've written, Art, Money, Success. It is awesome. It is one of my favorites. I've got it as an audio version on Audible. I love listening to it. And you know what? I've got to just say, yeah, there it is. I got to just say, it's, it's awesome when the author is reading their work. There's something about that. It, it just it has much more authenticity. It just comes through. Again, so that, that book is becoming one of my favorites. Uh, so I do want to talk about that. But let's just kick things off uh, by addressing what is going on in the world and maybe just give me a snapshot about how you guys are doing over there where you are. Okay, well, we are in San Clemente, California, and we're in complete lockdown, and they just closed the beaches yesterday and my husband is super PO'd because wouldn't you know we just got a huge swell that hit yesterday and I told him I said go surfing anyway getting arrested is great for an artist's career but he hesitates to do that he said he's too busy to get arrested <laughs> so so we're just kind of riding it out but um well let's see how it's going over here so Businesses in California shut down for the most part. We are still coming to work every day. Drew and I, my husband Drew, who's an artist, for those of you who don't know, we have a gallery in San Clemente. And we most of the work that we do is not reliant on walking customers. I would say 95% of our income is not from people walking in and buying stuff. This is really a gallery, showroom, workspace, and studio. 
Um, and we live about a block away. So we, we're still coming to work every day and we're still keeping busy. But I have to say that um, things are very different compared to a month ago. In that, um, now we are making some sales online, but a lot of our commissioned work has been put on hold. And my side hustle of consulting artists has dwindled down quite a bit. So things have, things are different. I think I think things are going to be very different. That's what I'm seeing as well from from here is as a complete shift in the landscape. And um, it, it's it's a question like off the back of any given crisis. It's difficult if we don't know what's going to happen going into this. None of us have a crystal ball, but I, I I do think that there will still be some market left. It's just a question of finding out where that is, isn't it? Like something's going to shake out of this. We're going to lose some, but we might gain ground in other places. What do you anticipate for yourselves, like where you might be gaining some of that ground? Well, that's a great question. And I'm trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Granted, it's so fresh Mm -hmm. that we all have to be patient while we pivot and change what we're doing because some answers will present themselves. We might start noticing that that people are asking for more things. Like, for example, what I'm noticing is people who are teaching art, like yourself, teaching art, there's actually a lot of opportunity that's opened up because we have so many at-home ki- kids at home from school. And because they're at home from school, Parents are looking for more things for them to do. So, of course, that's short term because eventually we are going to kind of get back to our lives. But it still opens things up because I see opportunities for artists who are teaching their work to maybe focus in an area such as elementary school, high school, college, um, there, there's a wellness, it's a huge thing. So mental health is about to crack wide open as an opportunity for people who are healers. And if you're an artist and you teach people how to create, mm. you are kind of a healer because art is very healing. So that's another direction you could go in. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so there's just a lot of different, a lot of different paths to take. And you just kind of have to say, well, which one feels the best to me? Which one am I most in alignment with? And then start following that path. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime just, just talking about the market space, it's a very interesting point, and I want to circle back to that. When we look at the marketplace in terms of um, original art sales, right? Anytime you have a blip in the market or, or some sort of fluctuation in that market, people get really nervous. And if you're selling luxury cars, jewelry, and artwork, those are those. <laughs> any one of those industries, you're going to suffer some sort of calamity. 
But I, I find that this digital space is is a very interesting way to kind of buffer some of that and, and level out some of this fluctuation. But let me ask you, do, do you think that there's any segment of the original sales, the original art sales market that might still be around? And, and if so, maybe a, a, still a segment of that market that would still be thriving. And when I say this, like, I, I, I want to be clear here for people listening, that I'm not just talking about a disease as a pandemic, what I'm talking about and focusing on as an artist and also as a businessman, is we're going to suffer some sort of economic fallout off the back of this, you can't just shut down the global economy without there being repercussions. So we need to see the writing on the wall, basically, and try and anticipate what what's going to happen. So I guess my, my question there is, if, if you, you're holding on to the original sales side of things, where could you put your focus and energy to ensure you might still have a business? Well, I think that there's always going to be a place for original art sales. But without a doubt, um, any item that you sell that is not absolutely necessary does take a hit during a major economic downslide. But there's always, look, no matter how bad things are, even in the Great Depression, there were wealthy people on earth. And those wealthy people appreciate beautiful things. And um, there's always going to be a need for decorating the walls of hospitals and hotels and wellness centers and things like that. And so if you can tap into the market where people have money, that's great. Not everybody can tap into that market because um, it depends on, you know, there, there are certain there's certain types of art, certain there, there's certain things you have to do to tap into that market. And that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but that is one thing you can do. Um, I think that there are opportunities to sell art. Maybe, you know what? Okay. So there's a lot of artists right now that are doing really, really well. One, uh, one is a friend of mine. She's out of San Clemente, California. She's in the same town I'm in. She only sold her art through a gallery and it fully supported her. And she told me a few weeks ago, she said, look, when this happened, my gallery shut down because all the galleries in Laguna Beach shut down. She said, so I had to start painting smaller items, lower priced items and selling them on Instagram, you know, just posting them on Instagram every day. And she said, and it's, and it's amazing, everything she puts out there is selling because she had a lot of fans that were used to her having bigger pieces of art at higher price points. And a lot of those fans maybe necessarily wasn't able to buy at a higher price point. Now that she's making smaller pieces at a lower price point, they can buy it and they're seeing the opportunity and they're seizing it. So that's a great example of somebody that's changed what they're doing. They pivoted, they've um, changed to meet the current market. 
And you really just have to take the time to think about your specific situation. And maybe it's, um, you know, another thing that a lot of artists have, have complained to me about is that they had all these art shows planned and all those things got canceled. Well, some artists are taking these art shows online. How you do that, I guess it depends on, you know, your situation, how much, you know, uh, how you can do it. If you have a big space and you can do it yourself or you get somebody else to host it or whatever, but you can, you know, you just come up with new ideas and new ways to do, in, to do things. Absolutely. I, it, I think... I think finding a new way to do things is is critical. And and again, not looking at this in, in desperation, but going, okay, where do we have access to a resource? Where are there opportunities? I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the other thing is, you know, you're not going to come up with a brilliant idea on, on what you can do mm-hmm. if you are caught up in this crazy energy of negativity, worry, and despair, there is no space Mm -hmm. for brilliant ideas. So if you are in that mindset of the sky is falling, everything's horrible, and you're tapping into the news every day, and you're on Facebook watching arguments, forget about it. You are not going to be able to change what you're doing because you will not come up with good ideas. Mm -hmm. So if you're in that space, you have to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's your work. I'm personally, uh, I'm, I'm struggling with that, Maria, to be honest. Um, And and I'll tell you why I, I, as much as I, tell people who listen to this podcast, I'm a massive hypocrite here. Uh, I tell people, hey, turn off the dang news. I uh, am just voracious with with my consumption of alternative media. So I'll be listening to the Richie Allen show, like nonstop, I catch up on every episode. I love that guy. I think he's, he's, he has some amazing guests on his show. And um, I listen to that. And then I start going, huh. And I start thinking about you know, I start going down my conspiracy theory rabbit hole. And so part of me wants to be informed about what's going on in the world, what's really going on in the world, Maria, not just what the news is telling you, right? But but part of me wants to be informed. But the other part is kind of going, well, now I'm in a terrible mood. I don't want to paint. I don't want to draw. I don't want to talk to anyone. All I want to do is go and hide under the bed. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Sure. All right. You might have to close your eyes to answer this question. Okay. Here we when go. you get that feeling, where is it in your body? Oh, this old chestnut. Okay. Okay. I, I tell you, I'll tell you exactly where it is. Solar plexus right in the okay. stomach. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like this feeling like you've just been gut punched. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you have, but then I get a, I get also get a headache. I get a migraine yesterday. Okay. Oh man. I had a doozy. All right. Another question. For sure. You. What time of the day do you first begin to consume this information, this alternative or news or whatever? Whatever the information is, what time of day is the first moment that you start to consume it? 
Oh, first thing I get down to the studio, I download That's the podcast. The first thing, man. <laughs> yeah. So look, yeah. here's the thing. If you want to get control yeah. of yourself so that you can create, mm. you already know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I don't you like this. <laughs> do not get informed before 10 a.m. Okay. Now, this is hard to do. It's a good rule. It takes an enormous, mm. enormous amount of self-discipline. Mm -hmm. But if you do this just for a few days, mm. I promise you that stomach punch feeling will disappear even though you're still getting informed. Because when you wake up in the morning, if you spend the first few hours reading Something not the news, like a book. Oh, <laughs> nice. My book. Oh, come on. Any, <laughs> any book that feeds the soul. Yeah. Okay. Or you get up and you play with your dog mm -hmm. or your kids mm -hmm. or you mop the floor or you whatever. Mm -hmm. You do something that gets you in a very calm state of mind. Mm -hmm. at, okay, at least for the first hour. And within that first hour, you say to yourself, my dominant intention for today is blank. Mm -hmm. Now, the magic with that is when you say that, guess what? You're never gonna say, my dominant intention for today is to feel like absolute crap after watching the news. Yeah. No. And if you just had an argument with your wife or your husband, now I do this when I have an argument with my husband, I get, I get really, I'm very passionate. I'm like an Italian, but I'm not Italian or, <laughs> you know, I'm just, and I'm just like, oh, I get really mad. I'm so passionate. And then I'll get really mad at Drew and then I'll, I'll huff and puff and I'll walk out of the room and I'll go in the other room and, and then I go, okay. And then I remember to say my dominant intention for the next 10 minutes. And then I laugh because I want to stay mad. Mm -hmm. But then when I say my dominant intention, well, I'm never going to say is to stay angry because who wants to stay angry? Sure. So then I say my dominant intention is to feel peaceful. Or, you know, I choose, I choose what I want to feel. So when you start out your day, you can choose what you want to accomplish that day. I want to finish writing this chapter or painting this painting and feel great doing it. Mm -hmm. Then you can turn on the news, but now you've already set the tone for the day. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. All right, so you do that for three days and I want you to report back to me. Brilliant. Maria, that is such good advice. You're, you're absolutely right. And again, yeah, massive hypocrite. I'm just going to put my hand up right now and say, listen, I've been telling this to people. I've been preaching it. I have not been following it. Um, so again, even though I haven't been watching like mainstream media and news, I've been filling my mind with things that whilst I feel I am getting informed and I'm, I'm trying to find out about what's really going on it is really affecting my my mental state which of course is affecting my um my artwork which consequently means i'm doing a lot of this stuff 
uh, with the wrong intention with with and and I'm I'm being motivated out of fear it seems to me rather than actually doing this out of love and and if I'm honest like I I, I absolutely love the people who listen to the show, the people that watch my videos. Um, that's why I continue to pour this stuff out there and provide it for them for free because I just love that interaction. But I've been coming at this from a, from a different, this is turning into a therapy session. Well, <laughs> that's, well, that's awesome. awesome. We all need therapy. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, well, okay. And, and one more, yeah. one more thought on that. One more thought on sure. starting your day hmm. with your own thoughts. Because if you start your day, and I used to do this too, and I was doing this about a, until about a week and a half ago when I found out, when I discovered that I was just like a wilted flower. Okay. And I said, okay, I can't do anything. I, I can't create. I can't write. I can't. So I, that was when I stopped the madness and, and went back to my morning routine. But here's the thing. When you start the day on your phone or plugged in, to what everybody else is doing, what you're doing is you are absorbing everyone else's wants for you, what they want for you, even if, so, so whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or watching your favorite person on YouTube talk about the conspiracy theories and why everything is a lie, you are taking on their energy and that's a very heavy burden to bear on top of what you want for yourself mm -hmm. i'm just like you i i hesitate to call it conspiracy theories i mean the conspiracy theories end up being the truth and the and the truth ends up being the conspiracy and it's all mixed up now upside down we live in the upside down, Maria. <laughs> now, when somebody says something's been debunked, I'm like, well, actually, the debunking's the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing that you say has been debunked is the truth. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But, you know, you can balance it. Yeah, sure, sure. And I think, I think again, it's, it, it doesn't, it has so much to do with our focus. And, and I like the way you put that as well about, you know, your 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 dominant or forgive me if i if i misworded this but your dominant intention what is my intention here um the minute i focus on things that are outside of my control uh, just i i end up miserable but the minute i focus on something and go okay whoa, whoa hang on stop andrew you can't do anything about that you can't do anything about the illuminati right not gonna happen Focus on drawing the best portrait you can draw right now. Just pick up your 2B pencil and just draw a face. Do that. Okay. And I end up going, okay, cool. Cool. No worries. The Illuminati can get me later. I'm just going to focus on the portrait. So, and to me, like that's, if I shift my focus there, it ends up, I create better work, but I also end up in a much happier place. Well, and that is the one thing you have control over mm. because by creating your art, art tells a story. Every artist is creating from their perspective mm -hmm. and you can shed light on things with your art. Now, you might not be creating art that sheds light on some information that you're discovering, but you're creating 
beautiful art that people can enjoy or that people gain something from. And, and that's what all art does. Well, you are taking control in that way because you are influencing other people, hopefully in a positive way. Mm. And that is how you beat the Illuminati or, <laughs> <laughs> or any of yeah. those bad guys out there. When you, yeah. you know, you, you, the art is light shedding light on the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. We probably shouldn't have mentioned their name. This video might get flagged on YouTube. <laughs> it's like it's like mentioning They're the name listening. of yeah. It's like mentioning the name of Voldemort. You know, you just you shall not spe shall not speak his name. Now, Beetlejuice, look, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. That's it. <laughs> hey, that's going back a little ways. That's my. That's now now that's my generation. That's awesome. Um, Hey, look, I want to I want to ask you about your your book and and just and shift gears here a little bit because that book again, Maria, when I was listening to the audio version, was loving it, and I was just like, man, okay, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you for a second. At first, I got a little bit angry with you because you wrote Good. the book. You wrote the book that I was going to write. I wanted to write that book. Only here, you've already gotten there, and it's better than what I could have done. Way better. I'm like. Man, I just, I got nothing. So it kind of shelved my idea. And I'm just, instead of writing this thing, I'm just going to direct people to this thing and say, you got to get yourself a copy of Art, Money, Success, uh, which is awesome. And and again, I will say, you didn't ask to be on this podcast. I reached out to you. You didn't pay me to say that. There's nothing going on here. I'm just coming to you like a like a fanboy here, right? Um, so I want want people to really understand that. There's so much tangible, actionable stuff in that book. And I was even, you know, I, th I thought, okay, again, this is going to sound arrogant, but I, I thought I knew a bunch because I was a professional artist. I, I had had success as a professional artist. I was working on big commissions. I had sellout shows. I was doing all this stuff, but it was so beneficial for me to go back and just learn some again, hear the basics again, but then go over all the things that I'd missed that I totally missed. There's all kinds of things I want to ask you about your book, but maybe we can start here. What would you say when you look at artists working today, what would you say is the number one thing or maybe a handful of things that you think people are missing when it comes to monetizing their art business to actually making it as an artist? The simplest little things. Sending an email out without a link to your website. You just missed out on a sale. Not allowing people to order things off of your website. You just missed on a sale. Not telling people when you posted something on Instagram that it's available to purchase and how they can buy it. You missed a sale. It's the tiny, tiny things that people are not doing every day. And I'll tell you, just yesterday, an artist that I have consulted in the past, I love her art. She creates these little Buddha, uh, like little Buddha houses. They're like 10 inches long and you can hang them on your wall. And I, I have a thing for Buddha and I've told her many times, you need to make it clear to people how they can buy it 
And I hadn't heard from her in a long time and I, I forgot about her because it's been so long. And she sent an email to me the other day and said, hey, here's a, a YouTube video. I thought you'd really like it. And I thought, oh, I yeah, I remember this lady's art. I love it. And I'm looking in her email for a, a link to her website. I had to go out of my way to find her website. I found it. I chose something on it that I wanted. You can't buy anything off her website. So I emailed her and said, I want to buy this. How much is it? How can I get it? I still haven't heard back from her. So it's the little things like here I am trying to buy something and she's making it impossible for me. It's just the little things, the little, little things. And and again, when I hear that, I I feel like I've really dropped the ball in, in a lot of ways. Um, because what when what I've I've shifted my focus in recent years uh, to the online digital realm, and I'm, you know, chipping away at that that thing, and 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 that it, it is working, but um, I, I've kind of let the originals painting side fall by the wayside, so to speak, and I, I personally have wanted to pick that up, and just as you were saying that, and then I was like, man, yeah, of course, I've really dropped the ball, so I think, but I mean, look. We're looking at today's, you know, situation and now more than ever, that little thing, just making a sale versus not making a sale, that would probably make all the difference in the world to somebody. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing that people miss is that making a sale to one person is a wonderful thing, but if you can think a little bigger, if you can... Let's say you, well, if you can think of ways to make more sales to one customer, so that means looking for a bigger customer. So let's say you live in a town and you know that there's a new um, corporate office building going up. You notice it because you, you drive by it. Well, you should be thinking, I bet they need art on their walls. And I bet nobody's approached them on it. So now you want to find out who's going in that building and you want to start making phone calls and you want to find out if you can sell them art for their walls. It's a simple thing. It's not that hard to do. You just make a phone call. Don't get attached to the outcome. If they're not interested, it's no big deal. But if they are, you might've just sold 20 pieces of art. Okay, Marie, I'm going to level with you here. I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to make the call. Okay, so what do I do? I'm I'm fearful. Okay. I'm I'm afraid of rejection. I'm I I know that I'll probably get shot down nine times out of ten. How do I still get the gumption to pick up the phone and just start dialing? Okay, so it starts with what you're thinking. Okay, so you got to work on your mind. Spend five minutes. This is this is like uh, preparing your canvas, right? You're gonna prep. Prep your canvas, whatever that means, <laughs> depending on what kind of medium you use. So you you got to prep your mind. The first thing you want to do is you want to say, okay, my dominant intention is to provide a solution if they need one. My dominant intention is to help if they need help. My dominant intention 
is to do something that will solve a problem for this company if they need it. And if they don't, that's okay. This is not about me. It's not about my art. It's about them. So you have to, you have, to have a talk with yourself about that. Then you have to say to yourself, my number one purpose for making this first phone call is to plant the seed and to ask questions. So planting the seed means you get a hold of somebody and you say, hey, I'm a local artist. This is the kind of art I create. I see you have uh, new offices being built. I thought you might need art for your walls. Do you have plans for the art on your walls? Let's talk. Do you have any interest in talking? Do you want me to send you photos? That's it. No big expectations. Don't look, do not try to get a yes in your first phone call. What you want to get is a exchange of information. That's it. Take the pressure off yourself. Because um, it's the pressure of feeling like we have to be good at sales and we've got to get a yes that makes us feel so icky about making that phone call. So take that pressure off yourself and, and tell yourself it doesn't matter if they buy or not. What matters is that you have the conversation. Can I, can I add a little something to that? I, I, yes. I appreciate that so much. In the past, when I've been nervous about making the call or trying to make a sale or being in a situation, say, on an artist in residency where I felt like the, the prospective you know, client or buyer had something that I didn't have and I needed, I was in a position of need, I'm not complete without this thing, I, I often would just take a step back in those situations and say to myself, hang on a second, I'm enough. I'm complete already. All I need to do is just talk to this person and simply do them the favor of letting them know what I got. Now, if they're either interested or they're not interested, if I haven't told them about what I got, I'm doing them a disservice. And the other thing, I, I heard some great sales advice once, and I just want to insert this in here as well, that um, I had to be sold on my own product. I had to really believe in it where I wanted to be my customer as well. Like I wanted to have my art on my wall. I wanted to be one who was living with this. I had to believe in this so that when I was talking to somebody else about it, it was like, yeah, you know what? I'm doing you a favor letting you know about this. Now I didn't come across in an arrogant way. All I did is I let that feeling wash over me in that moment. And I was able to, to make the approach. But that said, I will still now to this day on occasion, if I find myself getting into that mindset of lack and need and fear, and that leads to anxiety, the gig's up, man. Like it's, it's, I've got no hope there. <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. I, I've been doing this for years and years and years, and I still feel that nervous energy when I make a phone call, that unsureness. So you, you just have to act despite that. But really, you know, I think one of the reasons it's awkward for a lot of us um, is because we are either introverted or shy, unsure of ourselves. And I was very, very shy growing up. And I've really, I, I still feel that come back a lot. 
But I learned that one of the best ways to get past that is to remind myself, this is not about me. It's not about me. It's about them. And it's a practice. It's like training yourself how to do it, right? You have to train your mind to keep thinking this way. And you have to just keep reminding yourself until one day it becomes second nature. Yeah, yeah. It's And again, feeling that fear, feeling that anxiety and, and just doing it anyway, the more you do it, it's kind of like lifting weights at the gym. Yeah, at first you can't do it. The more you do it, the stronger you get. The more you do it, the, you know, the more you keep pushing that boundary and that frontier of, of pain, then suddenly you'll, you'll turn around two, two, three years later. And now, you know, you've gone from something to now you're a beast and look how much you can lift or now, Hey, that doesn't make you nervous at all. Look who you're calling now. Look who you're rubbing shoulders with now. It's, um, yeah, there's something to be said for persistence, right? Yeah. And you think about what athletes do before they, do whatever their sport is, they stretch, Mm -hmm. they get their body prepared and their mind prepared. Well, that is what we need to do before we make a phone call. And one thing that could help is, you know, working to get yourself in kind of a joyful state of mind. So maybe listen to music that makes you feel good Mm -hmm. or watch a comedian on YouTube for two minutes, get you laughing. And when you get, get your body feeling that way, you are much more pleasant to talk to. And your vibration that comes through on the phone is warmer. And when you're warm, the person on the other end of the phone feels that warmth and they're more likely to be friendly and talk to you do you know uh, yeah absolutely people people can hear when you're smiling yeah. i think you know they can hear and if you try it just practice this with the just contort your face and as you're calling them and just go you know hey sally it's like oh, what's what's up with you nothing <laughs> you like you can hear you know people's facial expressions you can hear that that inflection as well that they're putting on their language yeah i dig it maria absolutely i think i think it's vitally important Absolutely. So, you know, if people, again, I, I, I almost hear this thing and I, I'm, I'm maybe hallucinating a little bit. I can hear people who are listening to this going, okay, 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 guys, this is all well and good. But again, in the face of what's going on now, does all of this stuff really matter? I think, and I, I want to get your take on this. I think the people that are going to be left standing at the end of this are the people who go back to the basics and actually make those personal approaches, go back to this stuff that has been forgotten about, overlooked, you know, disregarded for whatever reason. We're, we're always looking for the next new thing or the next big kill, but the people who focus just on the basics and build on a solid foundation, I think those are the people that are gonna be left standing. Absolutely right. The So when, you know, focusing on selling art, original art, If you were only going to do one thing, the only thing that makes the biggest difference for your lifetime career as an artist is personal relationship building. Building those personal relationships. That's why I don't like selling art through galleries 
because a lot of most galleries won't let you know who bought your art. So you can't develop that relationship. But that personal relationship is crucial. That's why I'm a huge proponent of doing live art shows, because that's a great way to build relationships with people one on one. If people like you, they're going to like your art. Um, and if somebody buys from you today, let's say they might not want to buy, they might not need anything from you for a couple years, but if you maintain that personal relationship, they're going to refer you to other people. They're going to bring people to your art shows and they will buy from you. They will be lifetime customers. So that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss. Like it's, you know, we, it's so easy to like hide behind the computer and the phone and post pictures on Instagram. And that has its place, but you don't have control over the algorithms. So we always end up having to go back to the basics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, I won't mention this guy's name but kind of off the art track a little bit. There's a, there's a guy who lives in my town who's, you know, a, a business mogul. And, I, and I've, I've got like the utmost respect for him. He's, he's a really switched on guy. And he's one of the biggest employers in the nearby city in terms of the business that he, that he owns and runs. And the first hit to his business was China shut down all manufacturing, all ports, all everything. So he's no longer getting product in. So that that kind of two-way street back and forth between his company based here in New Zealand and China shut down and literally happened immediately. This guy at that moment said, hey, look, okay, I can't do anything about that. What am I going to do? I'm going to pick up the call. I'm going to call Larry. I'm going to call Barry. I'm going to call Sally. I'm going to call these people and I'm going to say, Hey, look, uh, we're still around. We're still in business. That order, whatever. Here, let's let's work something else out. Let's figure another way around. And so now he's suddenly pivoting, but he's picked up the phone and personally calling people. I think somebody like that will end up coming back to you know finding they still have a company or still have a business at the end of this thing. Again, will it look different? Yeah, probably. But I think the point here is is again ensuring that you have something. I, I guess. You know, the that's a great story about your local businessman pivoting in it. It makes me think of what happened in 2008. Hmm. So in 2008, when the economy crashed, and that was pretty much the world economy, the mistake that most people made, myself included, we made the mistake of thinking, okay, I'm going to ride this thing out and everything's going to be back to normal. I'm going to keep doing the same stuff that I've been doing because it's all going to come back to normal. And when it does, I'll get back on my feet. And in the meantime, I'm going to throw stuff on credit cards and I'm going to get a second mortgage on my house and I'm going to rack up debt. Well, um, and I'm speaking from experience here. That was the wrong thing to do. And I am not making that mistake this time around. Back in 2008, people lost their businesses. They lost their homes because they kept operating as though things were going to go back to normal. 
this time around, I'm not going to assume things are going back to normal. I have pulled back on my spending. I am not going into debt. I am not getting loans. I am not throwing things on a credit card. I am making do with what I have. And every day I'm saying, okay, what can I do to change with this? And I'm assessing and reassessing. And I'm not letting myself freak out or worry. Every now and again, I feel it come in, but I'm like, okay, everybody's in the same boat as me. So I, it's going to work out. It's going to work out, but I, I have to change what I'm doing. And so I'm trying a lot of different things. Um, you know, going back to 2008, my sister owned a business her and her husband owned a business and they had six children. And the classic thing that a lot of Americans did that had small businesses, they didn't want to let their employees go. So what they did was they got, so my sister got a second and third mortgage on her home so that she could keep paying her employees, even though there wasn't much work for them to do because she kept thinking, okay, in six months, everything's going to be okay. Well, I'll tell you what ended up happening. She lost her home. So her husband, herself, and their children had nowhere to go. They lost their cars. Their cars got repossessed. They lost everything. Massive lesson. Now, the good news is, you know, six or seven years later, my sister started a new business. She's doing great. And this time around, I, I called her and I said, you know, I called her a week ago and she has three retail stores in Ocean City, Maryland, on the East Coast. And all three of them have to be closed. And one she just opened a week before all this happened. <laughs> and I was so proud of her. I called her and I said, you must be freaking out right now. She said, you know what? She said, I'm not worried. She said, I've been through this before and now I know I'm not gonna make the same mistakes I made last time. And whatever happens, happens. And I'm keeping my myself positive. And she said, I'm just going to do what I can and make the best of it. So um, I think if we can learn what, learn not to make the mistakes that people made back in 2008. And um, the, the biggest lesson is, change what you're doing, whatever that is. What's the answer to that? How do you change? I don't know. Just, just be flexible. Be like a tree bending in the wind. Hey, you, you were listening to the last episode. I was just saying that in the last episode, I think. <laughs> be like the tree that bends in the wind. Hey, wasn't that a line from the Tao? Or it was yes. in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be like the tree, the young sapling that bends in the breeze. Don't be like the old tree, you know, that is clinging to the rocks and, and is, you know, yeah, uh, because that's what breaks. The, it, if you're dry and brittle and, and you're firm and steadfast when the big wind comes, you perish. Um, there, there's a, something to be said for that. I should have listened. You know, my father told me... Um, you know, when he he lost his business, he was pretty much down and out as, as a result of the late 80s crash. Um, 
and he told me when the going was getting really good, like I was riding high 2006, 2007, even 2008 and 2009, because we were insulated in Western Australia. Like I, I was just going from strength to strength to strength, just kept going. I was like, man, this is a party. This is never going to end. And he was going, storm's coming, boy. Storm's coming. <laughs> Start preparing. And now I think that this is going to make... Uh, you know, th that I, I did learn my lesson previously, but now more than ever, this has really made a believer out of me. I think in general, I'm just going to say here that um, there are two things that I'm noticing with, with artists in general. One is a, an inability to change and adapt. And the other one is a general lack of financial savvy, just being able to, to handle things financially. We, we still seem to be carrying amongst us a, a general feeling that money and art don't go together. That's why I, I, I appreciated your book title. As soon as I saw it come up on Audible, I'm like, this book was written for me. Like, this is awesome. Art, money, success. Because uh, most art books, if, if we were writing it from the current paradigm, would be something like, you know, art, debt, and failure. Like those are the things that kind of go go together, not art, money, and success. So I'm glad you brought the success part into it as well. Again, sorry, Maria, I'm all over the map here. Let me ask you a question. Okay, so let's say the landscape is changing. Everything around us is changing. What What kind of encouragement can you give to people to go, yes, it's changing, embrace the change, let's do this, go for it? Because again, I guarantee those, those people that aren't going down the, the, the road and, and aren't rolling with the punches, they're the ones that are going to be washed away by this thing. The ones that can and adapt are still going to be here. That's a terribly worded question. Anyway, roll with it. <laughs> Look, we've been asking for change, haven't we? Yeah. Haven't we all been asking for change? Every sure. single person, if you're an artist listening to this, you have been asking for change. Change in government, change in the way money's handled, change in how humans relate to each other. Look, we've been asking for change, but guess what? Change does not come easy. Change can be a little painful. So who would have thought that all the change was going to smack us in the head this hard? There's a new paradigm being created right now. And it goes back to, you know, being able to adjust and go with it and, and to thrive from it always starts with what's in your head, what's in our brain. So we have to stop resisting what is. This thing is happening. We have to embrace what it's giving us. So think about all the, the wonderful things this has given us. It's giving us a lot of time to work on projects that we never had time to work on before. And if you're not working on those projects, then ask yourself why. So that's one thing. The other thing is it's pushing us, it's giving us a kick in the butt to do something different. So if you feel the call, the pull to do something different, 
do it. Take a step in that direction. I hear from a lot of people that they've always been afraid to be on camera. And now a lot of them are going on Instagram Live. And it's opening up like this whole new world for them. So what is that thing that you've been afraid to do where now you're kind of feeling a kick in the butt to do it? That is probably a big clue to what you need to do. Fantastic answer to, to a really terribly worded question. My apologies for that. Um, I, I get comments on my YouTube videos. On the last podcast that I did, somebody was commenting, you know, I just can't stand this social media business. It's just vacuous, empty mumbo jumbo. Uh, and there was this kind of this yearning from this person to have things be like the good old days. And I was thinking, dude, you're, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Like, okay, I don't like everything about Instagram. I don't, I don't like everything that's going into social media. I don't like the way the algorithms are geared to put things in front of us that are, that, that keep us there. But as an artist, if you're aware of that, like you can use this. Absolutely. So why wouldn't you use it? You know, why yeah. wouldn't you use this to propel your brand, to get out there? And I really appreciate what you're saying about also about being on camera. You know, if I had let that fear and, and trust me, I, I feel that fear every time I step in front of the camera. I'm filming myself. I'm filming my demos. I'm thinking to myself, this is stupid. I don't know really what I'm doing. And again, this is the thought. It's just it's just the fear. It's the crap that we tell ourselves. Like, I, I, I don't know how to talk to the camera. I don't know. Is this shirt dumb? This hat, that hat, no hat. Oh, wait, no, I better put the hat back on. Don't take yourself too seriously. I... I if I if I let that get in the way, it would hold me back from all of this. And also that fear of the, the lack of knowledge. You know, when I started, I just had to make the decision. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to fail forward. I'm just going to keep failing by just falling forward. And then I'll get just gang around that way. Um, you know, a few years on and now I feel like I'm starting to get the hang of it. But there's still massive gaps in my knowledge. But I think... If, if people can hear that, I mean, again, take it from me. I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just got in there and just did it, you know? And I think other people, that's, that's something that's available to everybody. Where do you get your ideas to do things that, okay, so you tend to be a little impulsive like me. You come up with an idea and you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. Where physically are you usually when those ideas hit? Huh. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, if you were to guess, guess. First thing that pops in your head. The shower. I knew. God, how did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that's because. And why do you I, think that is? Well, I think that is, is because, uh, okay, here we go. We're going into to hippie land here, Maria. Let's get everybody on board the train to hippie land. Here we go. I am a hippie. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I don't mean any offense by that, but here we go. I think uh, that I got that because I believe that there is some connection that we have to the to the earth. Um, and we're, we're part of it. But again, I, I also come at this whole thing from a Christian worldview, being a Christian myself. But I do feel that when, we, when we're connected to the earth, to the ground, and that's essentially what, uh, 
being underwater, having that flow over your body, connecting you directly to, it's like a lightning rod. And now suddenly you open up a gateway for some sort of inspiration. And also I'm not, I don't have my phone in the shower. I'm not thinking I'm on my own and I'm just st- sitting there just going, Hmm, what am I going to do today? What am I gonna do? And I start thinking my brain just starts mulling over things. And I'm also pretty relaxed because I got that hot water on my neck and my shoulders, which I keep all my tension up here and my neck and my shoulders. So now that's kind of being relaxed. I'm just standing there going, okay, what am I doing? Who am I going to talk to? Okay. What, what, what video I'm going to make? Okay, here we go. The, the idea popped into my head. I just had this thought where I want to talk to Cesar Santos. I just want to, I just want to call Cesar. I want to reach out to Cesar and I want to hear what he's got going on and ask him how he runs his art business. Boom. I have a podcast. He was episode number one. You know, it was just, yeah. So there you go. So that, okay. So that is brilliant. What you just explained right there is the answer to what everyone needs to do to figure out how to navigate this new paradigm that we're entering into this new world situation. So number one, you have to commune with nature. And if you can do that in your shower, that's great. I had never thought of that. (laughs) Find stillness, stillness, turn off your electronics, even if just for five minutes. Have a thought of something you want. I want to meet this person. How do I do it? Oh my gosh, here's this idea. Okay, so you had a wanting, but you initially didn't know how you were going to do that. Then you had yourself in a situation where you were quiet, you were relaxed and alone with your thoughts, and then you had this brilliant idea. The next step was you didn't let the idea go away. Brilliant ideas only stick around for a few minutes. They actually have a very short lifespan. Mm. If you don't act on a brilliant idea right away, guess what? It disappears like smoke. It goes away. So true. So, um, Brilliant ideas actually are like a life form that comes to you, but you have to have the space for it. And that's it. That's how you navigate what's going on. And for every single person, the answer is different. I mean, I can throw out ideas for people, but everybody listening to this podcast is, does a different kind of art, they have a different kind of customer. They have a different personality of what they love and don't love. They live in a different part of the world. So the answer is unique for every single person. And you have the answer inside you. You have to give it space to come to life. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah, because we're all unique and no space is wasted here amongst us. You know, and it's it's about tapping into that authenticity, I think. Um, I, I heard this um, in a few different places, but the, the place where it really comes to mind was a, a chap named Brendan Bouchard, who wrote a fantastic book. The title of the book escapes me at the moment, 
but he is something like something success habits, but, um, anyway, brilliant book. Something Brenda, performance habits, high performance, oh, high, high performance habits. Beautiful. I have that book. Okay. Okay. I, I, I got the audio version as well. And, uh, so I was listening to his book and one of the things that Brendan says is you never leave the site of setting a goal without doing something towards its attainment. And there's, so if you have a goal and, and I, I look at those, you know, those brilliant ideas and those little things, as you're saying, it's brilliant. It's like a life form. It's, it's more fleeting than a firefly. It's like a spark that raises off a flame and it's just, it just pops into existence and then it's gone. And, and it's like, yeah, you've got to catch that thing and, and don't hold on to it, catch it and then act on it. It's like, so for me, if I set a goal or something that I want to achieve within my art business, I will schedule it. I'll, I'll say, okay, well, who am I going to call? Bam. There we go. Let's schedule this. Uh, okay. Me talking to you right now is, is an example of that going, I, I'm loving this book. I want to talk to her, get her on the podcast. Okay. Let's, let's schedule it. So I reach out to you on Instagram messenger, but that that's the case with everything that, um, that I've kind of been doing is that, and, and again, the, also the, the reason why a lot of the things here, there's a cricket expression, lifting your bat and letting it go through to the keeper, like the, the opportunities that you miss, the opportunities that you let just kind of go. Those opportunities that I missed out on, th there was no action behind them, but they could have turned out to be awesome. So it's, it's a question of just catching everything. Never leave the site of setting a goal without doing something towards its attainment. Brilliant. Yeah. Wish I could take credit for that one. I can't. It's just awesome. <laughs> so Maria, let's, let's just, uh, let me, let me squeeze in a couple more questions here and, and I just want to be respectful of your time. I've really appreciated this chat. I've had an awesome time getting to know you better here. Um, let me ask you about the money side of things, about the financial side of things, because my favorite thing to talk about. Oh, I, I shouldn't have saved this to the end. Uh, okay. Well, we, we can, we can riff on this for a little while. I, I feel again, just going back a, a little ways, I feel like artists are not only notoriously flaky, we're terrible with money. What are some of the things that you could suggest that would help us turn this around? Help us okay. clean up our act here, Maria. Well, first of all, you have to set the intention to learn to be a better money manager because everything that we do starts with the intention, right? And you have to be open to changing some of your bad habits. One bad habit is doing too many things that take up too much time that pay too little and don't have a bigger goal or a bigger purpose at the end of it. If you are a solopreneur, which most artists are, most artists don't have anyone helping them. So if you're on your own, you, you have to be very protective of your time. That is one thing that financially successful people put a super high priority on is their time. And that means if a friend of a friend calls you and says, hey, I love your illustration work. And can you whip me out a quick logo? 
Well, we all know there's no such thing as a quick logo unless you want unless you want me to draw it and it looks like this. Now that's a quick logo. But if you want something good, it takes time, right? Or whatever. I mean, people as an artist, people are always asking you for stuff. You have to protect yourself from people who don't understand that by asking you for free or cheap stuff or asking you for your time, they are literally harming you. So you have to protect yourself. Even with charitable things, you know, charities are great. Doesn't mean you have to give your life away to them. Not unless you are living off of uh, a trust fund, right? And then it doesn't matter. But if you have to support yourself, um, you have to limit what you do for charities. And maybe that's, you know, you do three things a year and that's it. You know, you have to limit it. Um, the other thing is don't go into debt for a project. So let's say you get a great opportunity, right? You get this great opportunity. It's like this dream client and they're commissioning you to do something. Well, always get money up front. Now, I, I know professional artists, you, you probably get money up front, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, a lot sure. of artists don't. A lot of artists will start a project without a deposit up front. Mm. And that can harm you because cash flow is required to keep your business healthy. And as an artist, you are a business owner. And if you want to stay in business, you have to keep your business healthy. So a healthy business has cash flow and it has a profit. You make more money than you spend. I mean, these are kind of basic things, but a lot of people miss those things. Totally miss those things. No, I li listen, I, I, it does sound quite elementary, but it is so vitally important. We totally overlook these things. And, and it's at our detriment. We end up in, and I've seen people that, and, and myself included, um, just by not focusing on just the basics, I, I lost my business. I could have probably weathered yeah. that storm if I had done things slightly differently. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, I guess. Yeah, and you know, look, if, you, if you're if you creating art, so one problem that a lot of artists have is it takes them a really long time to create a work of art. And they can't seem to charge enough to cover that time. So if this is you, then my advice is Save those masterpieces for your pet projects. If you want, if you have to earn a living from your art, find a way to create works of art that you can do quicker. So I'll give you an example of an artist that I helped figure this out. Okay, this this artist, she creates these beautiful collages, but they were taking her so long to create. And 
she had figured out a sweet spot as far as pricing that she could sell these things all day long if she kept them at this, I'll just say $1,000. I I don't remember the exact amount. Let's just say it was $1,000. But they were taking her so long to create that really she needed to sell them for about $2,500. But there wasn't a market for that. Her market wasn't able to spend that kind of money. So we said, all right, what if you could cut your time in half? And she said, oh, I can't do that. And I said, I think you can. I think you can. And it might take you a while to figure it out. So we talked about it and she decided to choose a theme. Now each one's individual, but to choose a theme that she would duplicate five times. And by the time she got to the third or fourth one, she had such a process that she had figured out how to cut her time in half. So that's what she started doing. So she did, I mean, she just put, she put in hours figuring out how to cut back on her time and she figured it out. And so now she's actually the bottom line, her profit based on her amount of time is much greater than it was. And she's still able to sell her art through that market. So it's really what you focus on is what you get. And you just have to figure out ways to make more money in less time. What do we do with the money when we get it? Okay, what do you do with the money when you get it? Well, um, let's see how, uh, if I can come up with a simple answer. All right, number one, I had to train myself on this. You don't spend it all first. (laughs) Don't spend all that money. Don't take your bank account back to zero. Don't pay all your bills first, okay? Pay yourself first. Pay your taxes next. And, of course, if your taxes aren't due, have a a bank account for your taxes. Have a separate account that you don't touch. And here in the U.S., like, we, I pay about 20% of my income to taxes. And... It's that's approximate changes from year to year, depending on different things. But I put every month, I put 20% of my gross in a separate bank account that I can't touch very easily. And I just send it there. So I don't touch it. That way I'm not freaking out at tax time to pay my taxes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, A wise thing to do is have another account where you put 10% and that's like savings for emergency. And then the rest of your money can go to you and your bills. I mean, that's kind of a simplified way of doing it. I learned that from an author named Michael McCallowitz. The book is called Profit First. Profit first. I like that title. Okay. I'll look into that. Really good book. And his process is more complicated than what I just said, but Mm -hmm. I 
simplified it for myself because he has you doing a lot more and that didn't work for me initially. Um, but if you really, I, I highly recommend that book and so many entrepreneurs recommend that book. It's, it's mm. been on the bestseller list for a long time. Mm. It seems, um, I, I just want to add something to this as well. Uh, if I may, my baseline, uh, as to where, like my financial IQ would be somewhere just under zero. So despite all of the success and how well I was doing at any given time, I'd bring it down to where I felt emotionally I could handle my finances, which was always just caught behind a little bit, hungry for the next thing, the next sale, but it was always just at zero. And that kept me in a position where I was always hungry to make the next sale. I felt like I needed that, that was my edge. But when money would come in, it didn't matter what, I would just blow it. And I, I had no idea what it went on. I just pissed it away. and. I, um, I, it, it was shocking, actually, the amount of money that slipped through my fingers. As I matured and became older and kind of a little bit wiser, I hope, uh, I started to realize that I needed something to come in. And this, this idea of paying myself first really confused me because I, I recognized that but I have bills and those bills are, are they're a lot bigger and meaner than me they are more important than me. It was literally going, no, in this scenario, in this little situation that I have set up, I am the goose that lays the golden eggs. If I pay my bills first, I'm going to end up just dying. I'm going to kill myself here and kill my business. Why would I do this? I need to keep myself going, honor myself first, and not be extravagant with it and go, I deserve a million dollars. No, you pay yourself a portion. So for me, it was like just saving 10%, just putting 10% in my savings account, then handle everything else. But with you, like I'm with you now, like uh, with the tax, because we're now handling this as, as we've got a company, I owe tax to the US and New Zealand, because when you're an expat and you're a citizen of two countries, like you've got a, you have a liability in both countries. A lot of people don't, don't know that, but we have to be tax compliant in the United States, tax compliant here in this country. Fortunately, the systems honor each other. And so where there's a difference, we have to make up the difference. I don't have to pay double. That's that's not the way it works. Thank but, goodness. But thank goodness. <laughs> and, and again, I'm coming at this as well from a conspiratorial point of view, because I believe taxation is theft. We could get into that. I'm with time. you there. Okay. But I'm not willing to go to jail over but, it yet. Okay. But at yet. the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, they have the cage and they're holding all the guns. And so you just, you got to be smart about this. So pay them the money. I'm not happy about it, but I pay them the money. And, and trying to minimize that liability also is pretty smart. If you don't mind, I'll just want to insert that there as well. Getting an accountant is probably a good idea. Absolutely. I don't trust myself for accounting. That's for sure. I'm, I'm not brilliant when it comes to money, but I do put the work in to educate myself on things. And I really had to work on that because I have gone through many, many periods of time where I was just spending every dime and not really putting money away. And I finally got a handle on that. And it feels so good to have a handle on it because now I feel in control. I feel like I'm in control, even though, you know, when you're in a creative business like we are, the money is up 
and it's down and it's up and it's down and it's a constant roller coaster. You're high on life, flush with cash one day, and then you're desperate. The bank account's at zero the next day. And, you know, you just have to learn to navigate that and just get better educated on it. Paying yourself first. Here's the magic behind paying yourself first. And, and, and just like you, it took me so long to finally get it in my head why it works. And here's why it works. And everything's mental, right? Everything's in our mind. It works because if you pay yourself first when the money comes in, and then you pay your bills, and now you don't have enough to pay your bills because you paid yourself a living wage, what happens? You get smarter about the money you're spending. You stop racking up bills that are not entirely necessary, and you get better at charging enough at um, finding new ways to bring income in. You just become better at bringing money in, in a smart way and making wise choices on what you're sending the money out on. I really got good at this the last few months, thanks to that book, Profit First, which I had read years ago. And I just reread it and I clamped down on myself even more. And, you know, and I work with my husband and we have uh, another works for us, a guy named David. And sometimes Drew and David would make these decisions that impacted us financially. And as CEO, I finally said, look, um, we're not spending money on this, this, this or this anymore. Not until after we've paid ourselves and we look at where all the money's going. Mm -hmm. Because these things, as nice as they are to have, um, what's more necessary is that we keep the business healthy. Mm-hmm. So we, we've actually made improvements. Mm-hmm. And it's just a practice. And I feel like I'm getting better at it every day. You know, I think, I think Drew's going to probably need a bit of extra money when he gets fined for surfing outside of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, but just think of how... Famous he's going to get when he's locked up and he's in all the headline news. Holding local a surfboard. Artist Holding the surfboard. Yeah. <laughs> that he painted. Yeah. Local artist goes to jail. I. It's got to happen. Look. Look at how many artists get famous from going to jail. It's a good thing. Wow. <laughs> Where did you grow up? I grew up in Texas. What part? Austin. Oh. I, you don't I, have that funny accent. I can put it on though, ma'am. There you go. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, love I, I grew up in Texas. My, <laughs> my entire family's from the U.S. Uh, we moved to New Zealand when I was six years old. And then from there, when I was 10, we moved to Australia. And I grew up in Australia, lived there for 22 years. I was in Perth, another four or five years kind of moving around with my wife. Once I met my wife in Perth in Western Australia, she's from Wellington, New Zealand. So uh, we then decided uh, two and a half years ago that we would move over here to New Zealand. We, we, we love this place. It's an awesome country, beautiful scenery, amazing people. So uh, yeah, New Zealand. I love New Zealand. You've been here. I could live there. I've been there a couple times. Awesome. The last time my husband 
and I rented an escape camper van. All right. And we had our son with us who was only eight or nine at the time. I think he was nine years old at the time. And we lived out of that camper van for a month and traveled around the North Island. We never made it to the South Island because oh, we were too busy. I know. That's the, the best bit, Maria. Every time I've been in New Zealand, I've never gone to the South Island. I know it's okay. So next time I will, and I'm going to come visit you Please. and your wife, Please. and we'll do this live together <laughs> there. But I, I love awesome. New Zealand because I'm, I'm a surfer. I'm a, I'm a total nature girl, backpacker. Awesome. Um, and I love living out of a van. Like I could, I could literally sell my house and live out of a van and be happy the rest of my life. No exaggeration. Awesome. I could easily do that. Awesome. And I might, if if the whole world goes to <laughs> shit, I'm just going to move into my van. <laughs> there we go. There we and go. And I'll be happy doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's a few people that are that are living that van life. Oh, you I know? have I have quite a few friends. As a matter of fact, one of my friends who's an artist and a surfer, he never got married, never had kids. He's in his 40s. He lives out of his van and moves and he's on the beach every day, except now they shut the beaches down. But um, he's happy as can be. Awesome. His life is so simple. Yeah. Ah, that's so cool. That's so cool. And there's something to be said about simplicity. I, I find that now for myself, like we, we have a little house here in, in this town. And uh, before I was thinking I, I wanted a, a mansion, like I wanted I wanted all of these extravagant things. They were always outside of my reach. But when I was dreaming about how good life could be now, the, the, the things that I really appreciate in, in my life are the things that either don't cost a lot or things that money can't buy. Like my connection with my wife, having a hot cup of coffee in the morning, chopping firewood. Oh like my God. You, you know, literally chopping wood, carrying water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. could. Okay. You are going to love my husband when you meet him. He I'm already a his fan. His favorite thing to do is to chop wood. He's out there <laughs> chopping wood all the time. And I mean, we live in Southern California and he's always <laughs> buying wood and chopping wood and starting fires in the backyard and the chiminea, even on a hot summer day. Awesome. He'll let, he'll be like, I'm going to start a fire in the backyard. Let's eat dinner outside. And it could be like 85 degrees out. He's got the fire going because he loves it. That's so yeah. good. There's something nice about having a fire. There's something really nice about it. Well, Maria, this has been a wonderful opportunity to get to know you better. I've really appreciated our time together today. Thank you so much for being on the Creative Endeavor podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are awesome to talk to. So much fun. Have me back anytime. I will. I certainly will. Thanks, Maria. Well, I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast and a huge thank you to Maria Brophy for joining me. Now, you can find Maria's book online. It's available at several places. I got my copy on Audible and I listened to the audio version of that. And as you heard here in this conversation, it's just fantastic. It's awesome when you have the author reading their own work. So that book, again, is called Art, Money, Success. Now, Maria is also on Instagram and you can connect with her there. It's at Maria Brophy, all one word. Again, make sure you follow her on Instagram and do yourself a favor. Get a copy of that book. You won't regret it. 
Now, you can find out more about me on my website at andrewtischler.com. That last name is spelt T-I-S-C-H-L-E-R.com. And while you're there, make sure you're subscribed. It's absolutely free to do so. Now, just on a side note, if you ever want to see the video version of this podcast, if you're one of those people that just likes audio, no problem. But if you want to see the video version, I do upload a copy of this as a video to YouTube as well. So you can find me on YouTube by just searching my name, Andrew Tischler. Thank you so much for stopping by. Make sure you take a quick opportunity to just leave me a comment or a review on whatever audio platform you're listening on. That makes a huge difference to the show. I've really enjoyed your company. It's been a blast, and I look forward to being with you again in another episode of The Creative Endeavor.